Hello, and welcome back to Heart Points. I am your friend and dad, Zach, welcoming you to another very special anti-hiatus episode of Heart Points. This week, we are returning to the sightless sea in Fall of Magic, Song of the Stormwind. I'm joined, of course, again by our good friends Gavin, Tori, and Maya for this delightful game of storytelling and exploration. We're playing the special scenario Song of the Stormwind from the zine supplement to Fall of Magic titled Songs of the Axe and Fiddle. Fall of Magic was designed by Ross Kalman and can be found at heartofthedeernicorn.com. This episode was sponsored by Diana, who is not a patron, but she deserves love just the same. If you would like to support HeartPoints, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash heartpointspod. We've been able to do weekly anti-hiatus episodes because of the support of everyone who listens, shares our work, and donates. Thank you all. Don't forget that you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at heartpointspod. Please reach out and let us know what you think of our special anti-hiatus episodes, and don't forget that we will be back next Monday with a new episode. Without further ado, let's raise anchor. So then uh, I'm going to bring our coins up here. And then whoever wants to have a scene on the sea wing is welcome to have a scene on the sea wing. I have a, a question, like a, a game question. So we would do a scene on the ship. And then is the idea in, like in narrative, we're exploring different islands? Uh, yeah. So we're going to be going after, after we do our scenes on the sea wing, we will move the captain to the first island, the same way we moved from Astalia to the sea wing. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. Yep. And we'll, we'll draw from the deck once. Uh, so once everybody's done a scene, anyone can choose to, to land on the first island. Okay. Um, I, could, I could go. I think pockets would be involved in, in how we find our way, which is the prompt for the helm. So her research on the sightless sea has been primarily theoretical since no budget for travel and also um, obviously not very good on ships. So those are two things working against her. But now that she finally has the opportunity to like put her um, theoretical research into action, I think maybe she has sort of set up just like a little, a little space uh, in the like helm area. And this is where my boat knowledge is, is very, very small. And I don't actually know how big we want to say the helm is but like i would love if she could have um uh you know like a red string board i think i think that she should have and at this point my goal is you know she's obviously she seems to really know what she's talking about whether you guys all think that she knows what she's talking about i i want to say is maybe a little bit up for debate at this point but she has this board she has mapped out different coordinates and i think that she's got several theories that she would want to try and sort of like see if that gets us anywhere in terms of how we find our way to the ship uh she wants to search for mist which maybe should have been the crow's nest but we're in the helm so i think (laughs) is there um is there a i guess the captain would steer the ship who's steering the ship i mean if no one's there she's gonna do it do do you want (laughs) yeah if 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 you want or, or I don't know who you think. Yeah, who do you think is steering? 
I, well, I don't think the captain steers the ship based on stories I've heard about pirates. I think it's probably like first mate or um, someone, someone who is close, close to the captain, but not, not the captain themselves. So maybe um, she and this other person who we will call Scully sounds like a good name for somebody on a boat. So she and Scully are having a chat and she asks, I don't know if someone wants to, wants to be Scully. I'll be Scully. I'll be Scully. Okay. I'll be Scully. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm guessing Scully probably doesn't love the fact that she's there. Nope. Yeah. Okay. okay. I feel that. Yeah. Hey, Scully. How's the steering going? Fine. Do you remember um, just, no. just, a couple, just a couple minutes ago how I was talking about how we really need to, we really need to steer towards uh, the mist of the sightless sea if we want to make any progress? And, and you, I think you, you must have not heard me, even though I was right here. So I'm just going to say it one more time. Have you, seen, have you seen generally any mist lately that maybe we could pursue? No. Have you? No, but I, this is my first time on a boat, so... Mist, mist looks like mist. It does. Yeah, you're right. No um, matter where mist, you are, I think, it looks like I mist. Think, yes, but, but I think this mist um, is, is special, and oh, she, special, like, adjusts Oh, her. special mist. Oh. Yes, yes, she is not reading the sarcasm. Oh. She adjusts her... Now I understand. <laughs> she motions to the board, and she says, there's something, there's something weird about it, and I... Have you experienced anything weird being on this ship? I don't think it's your business. Hmm. Okay, I can't argue with that. <laughs> Listen. Listen, lady, you, when you find that special mist, mm -hmm. you tell me I can try to steer towards it. Until we see that fucking mist, I don't know what you want me to do. Okay. I'm just okay, here doing my job. What's your job, lady? Just to find the mist. Listen. She, I don't think she likes <laughs> my job is to find this ship. And your captain agreed to help us on this mission. So I don't care that uh, you don't like me. That's fine. Not, not loving this conversation me not like Me not like you? Whatever gave you that idea? I'm a very uh, highly emotionally intelligent person. So I... Yeah, I can, I, I can tell that about I, you. I, I get it. But we have to work together on this. So you tell me, if your captain's goal is now my captain's goal, what are you doing? Steering the fucking boat. Yeah, where are you steering it? Where are we going? Where they tell me. Which okay, right well, I'm telling this, you. It's this way. Okay, I think uh, she's going she's gonna to fish out some kind of, like, object. It looks like a compass, but it's like a magically imbued compass. And you can tell because it glows around the edges. And it's gonna, she's going to hand it to him, and she's going to say, Okay, look, uh, I, haven't, I haven't proven this, but I had a friend of mine whip this up before some shit went down. And I would love to try it out. So I want, I want you to just hang on to this. If it starts to glow in a certain cardinal direction, I want you to steer the ship that way. And those are the captain's orders. Those are the captain's orders. Mm-hmm. Captain Black's orders. Captain Dante's orders, who is endorsed by Captain Black. I don't take orders from Captain Dante. How big is this boat, do we think? Uh, I think it's pretty big. Are you trying to, like, call across it? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it could be okay. big, but the captains could still be within calling distance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I want to say that like the reason you brought an academic person onto the ship is because like you needed their expertise in order to like 
have your, you know, a shot at like some kind of like direction here. So like I'll shout to Captain Dante and I don't know how familiar we are at that point, but again, like she's got a very cavalier, cavalier attitude about all of this. Tell him to use the magic compass. Scully. And maybe Captain. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Scully, use the magic compass. Thank you. And then <laughs> was that Captain Dante or Captain Black? That was Dante. And then Scully, Scully just says again, very quietly though, just, just, so, just so pockets can hear him. I don't take orders from you. <laughs> in a way that means he's lost or in a way that we, means we need to shout again? In the way that means he's not, he's not changing direction <sighs> until he gets orders from Captain Black. All right, I think- I'm Captain sorry for dragging this scene out longer, but he's, he's, a, he's a grumpy old man. No, let's just get um, Captain Dante to shout at Captain Black and Captain Black- can shout the same thing back at you. I, I like this, the line of telephone. Yeah. <laughs> like Pockets yells back at Dante. Dante ends up yelling up to Captain Black, Grandma, tell Scully to just follow my crew's orders. Scully, steer the goddamn ship where they say. I want them off my boat as soon as possible, so do what they say. And then Scully says, politely as he can, aye, aye, Captain. And immediately, immediately turns the wheel. <laughs> Good. We're following the magic compass. Excellent. I can go next. Um, I think I want to do the crow's nest. So I think then what happens is that uh, Olive is, has taken a moment in the crow's nest, which is sort of an unusual place because it could be seen as a little pre- precarious. But I think that she, again, like she, she spent her whole life on the sea, so she's not intimidated by the crow's nest. And I think she waited until there was a shift change. And I think um, she climbed up the, the webbing just to take a private moment. Um, and I think she's up in the crow's nest. I think the sun is on its way down, but I think it's still daytime. Um, and she's looking out over the sea. The sky's pretty clear. I think there, there aren't any birds because they're far enough away from shore now. And I think she has a distant hope that any second now she'll see the familiar masts of the Stormwing any moment now. But she's been up in the crow's nest for a good 20 minutes and she hasn't seen them yet. And I think she knows that it's not realistic, that that's not how this is going to go down. But I think ever since she and the captain found themselves in Astalia with no short-term memory as to how they got there or what happened, that she has been doing her best to do as much as she can, like be, be boots on the ground for the captain. Um, and that has meant that she hasn't had a lot of time to process what's happening and the very real possibility that their mission is not going to be successful. And that's hard for her, I think, because she, even though she hadn't been sailing with the Stormwing for, you know, her whole life, like I think she wants to find her crew, right? And also doesn't want to, I think doesn't feel comfortable being emotionally vulnerable with the captain or with any of these two, either of these two strangers that she just met. And she wants Zephyr to focus. She doesn't want Zephyr to get distracted. So I think she is taking a moment in the crow's nest. I think her, her elbows propped up on the banister. Um, and I think that she probably stays there until the shift change. I think some, a soldier, not a soldier, a sailor climbs up the, webbing I think notices her and is a little bit surprised I think they're just like oh sorry are you 
is this your shift? What are you, I thought, I'm sorry. I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was me. And then I think she, she just says, no, no, you're right. It's all you. It's all you. I was just on my way down. And I think she gets out of the way and starts climbing back down. Tori, that scene is making me wonder if we should change your title change, maybe. Um, Because it sounds like you're like, Olive is still very much tied to the Stormwing. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't want to take away her tie to the Stormwing. I'm wondering if it's her title that has changed, if she's the seeker of the Stormwing now. Rather Instead than of survivor. Instead, yeah, she's mm. the seeker. What do you think about that? Or do you I still, think, do you want to change, like, because I think it's a matter of, like, what relationship has changed. Hmm. And if if your relationship isn't to magic, if it's still to the Stormwing, I don't want, I wouldn't want to lose the Stormwing. Yeah, I think, hmm, I think survivor of magic is not untrue because we're pretty sure that it was magic that took the Stormwing. Ooh, oh yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of that angle. That wasn't even the angle I was going with. I like that a lot. Okay, because so, I think, so I think right now she is, her tie is to the Stormwing, but I think she has survived a magical event. Okay, cool. I like that a lot. So I think, I think it still, it still is okay for me. I don't have a preference either way, but we don't have to retcon it. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Sorry, I was just thinking, no, that's good. That's okay. really good. I think Red would probably find himself in the cabin because he, he's not used to the sea. He's, he kind of got brought in on a whim. I think because he's so unaccustomed to ship life and everything, I think he kind of uh, secludes himself in the cabin and to try to get um, used to everything. Uh, he's just kind of listening to like the sounds of the ship and everything. He hears like the slaps of the wave against like the wood of the ship and everything, like the crew members uh, above the cabin, like their footsteps and everything. And I think to try to like keep calm because he, he, he admitted that he was extremely nervous. I think he's like braiding his beard and like cut it, like cutting his, his own hair, just trying to stay in some sort of like mental state that he's used to because this is all completely foreign to him. Um, and I, I don't know if anyone would be in the cabin with him, but uh, I think it's all, I think where he finds himself, everything sounds eerie. Like the creaks of the wood as like the ship moves and everything. He's extremely unsettled by that. And he's just doing his best to try to stay calm. I think even when he's like, playing with his beard. I think his hands are, are shaking a little bit. And I think he's hard. It, he's finding it hard to stay his same jovial self because of just how uncomfortable he is being in the ocean. And I don't think he accounted for how rough it was, like, how rough of a transition it was actually going to be. Like that scene, unless you, um, unless you want somebody to come in. No, I, ca- I actually kind of like that he's alone. Uh, then I'm going to take the galley, what we've been eating. Um, and I think I am wondering if anyone wants to be in this scene with Zephyr, who they, who thinks that they hate the food on the sea wing. Olive loves, she has a weird affinity for the kind of food that you eat when you're, you've been on the sea for a while. So she, she would not relate. 
I was going to say, I think that um, Pockets has a nomadic background. So um, she's kind of like she is not used to fine dining by any stretch. I think that she might be surprised by how much this food is actually better than some of the other stuff that she's had in her life. Cool. If that works for you. Yeah, or, yeah, no, that, that totally works for me. I think okay. then in that case, like <sighs> Zephyr is 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 very excited about this um and is is like zephyr's very excited about this food three square meals a day no oh are you serious yes uh we haven't even finished the job yet and you're feeding me okay yes please and just like taking plates and like sitting down it at like uh in the in the galley with sailors of grandmother blacks who who zephyr does not know and they're like looking at zephyr like this is hard tack and gruel and watered down ale. What are you, what are you excited about? And Zephyr's like, oh no, well this is so good. Oh my god. Oh, li- listen, no, you take the uh, you take the hard tack, you just dip it in here a little bit. Oh my, mm. <laughs> that's so fantastic. Can I have some more. Hey, are you gonna finish that? No, those mashed peas are really uh, quite good if you just spread them on here. Let let me show you. No, come, I'll, I'll take some of that. Thank you. And it's just kind of like. Very excited. Zephyr is unused to having three square meals a day and is very used to living in cramped quarters. Uh, His warren, like this feels like home to him because back in Badwater, his home is a bunch of scrambling rat folk, sharing food, living communally, living in tight quarters. And that's something that he was like missing when he was out west. Uh, he was like alone in the in the mountains, and it felt very uh, agoraphobic in a lot of ways. And so now, like having spent a few days on the sea wing, I think Zephyr is not only like sort of thriving on the boat, but is reacting to it in a in a way that like even the best sailor like can't because humans aren't like built to be crammed in boats like we do it but that's not really like what we're built to do and so zephyr is just thriving it's just like oh yeah no this is great here can i have some of that yeah thank you uh oh wait don't don't pour that out don't pour that out i'll, I'll drink that thank you and is uh just kind of uh living his best life in the galley i love that for him uh, which leads us back to Maya. So Maya, you can have another scene with pockets in one of these scenes, or you can move the captain to the first island. I, I'm sort of imagining that like the function of pockets on this team is sort of like pushing, like direction oriented. So I feel good about about capping it there, and maybe like, let's move the captain. Okay. So let's see where we end up. Oh or we won't end up on an island at all. What, what is happening? So... What's going on? <laughs> we have come to the dread calm. So Maya, I think when we last left off, you had control over the captain. So you are moving us to the dread calm with the prompt, a windless fortnight. Okay. Fortnight, meaning how many days is that again? Is that two weeks? I think it's two weeks. Okay. Because a score is 20, a Fortnite is 14. All right. So Captain Dante and her crew, her ragtag team, have been aboard the ship for about two weeks. Um, And I think by this point, folks are feeling a little bit antsy. And she just needs to, like, take a step aside from 
the crew. Um, so maybe she just like finds a quiet place on the deck and is looking out at uh, another sort of windless, quiet, um, let's say evening. So the sun is setting and um, I think she is feeling discouraged. Uh, two weeks is, well, she didn't quite know how long the journey was going to take, but I, I think that two weeks with nothing is, is a pretty significant amount of time. I think she's starting to doubt whether or not bringing on pockets was the right move since they've sort of been going by this, this mist theory for a while and uh, is maybe, maybe thinking about changing tactics, but would need to consult with the rest of her, well, at least with Olive uh, first before, before making a decision like that. So yeah, weirdly, usually for captains, well, I don't know if wind, windless is great. I guess you would need some wind, but you know, having calm weather is usually a, a, a decent thing. But in this case, uh, she fears it's probably not a great sign for the mission and feels a little bit like she's grasping at straws. We are now in the dread calm. So that was your turn as like captain. So now mm-hmm. we'll go, uh, we'll just keep going in our previous order of, I think it was me, Maya, Gavin, Tori. So Gavin is next. I think Red is going to be in the galley. And the prompt for that is who goes hungry. And with that, I think Red volunteers um, to go without food. He hasn't really done much because Red feels that he hasn't contributed a lot to the crew. There's been no accidents. He got brought on because of the possibility of amputations and what barbers typically do. And as, as of right now, that hasn't really happened. So he's just been kind of dead weight in his own, like in his own head, he's just dead weight on this crew. So I think he volunteers to go hungry. How long has he gone without food? With completely without food. I think like, a day um but he's like kind of given rations his own rations away a couple times um just generally he's really uncomfortable with his surroundings like he's not comfortable with himself right now he's not comfortable on the ship and he he's he's honestly he's just dreading everything and he's just kind of pushing i think he's still trying to be his jovial self and like trying to help other people but at the cost of his own hunger, his own like mentality and everything. I th- and I think everything, like the constant waves crashing against the ship, I think he's up at night, he's not sleeping. So he's just, he's doing his best, but he's like, I think he might be breaking a little bit. I think he's kind of having a more pessimistic outlook on everything than when he's usually pretty optimistic. Has Captain Dante noticed that you're not eating? Uh, I don't. I don't think there's been a lot of interaction between Red and Captain Dante. I think Red is a bigger guy. I think he's probably like six three or something. So when uh, like ropes need pulled, I don't know ship lingo. Um, so like when there's like manual labor, I think he's like the first to jump in. Just to keep his mind off of how awful he's feeling um, and to 
I think have a little bit of self-worth that he's actually contributing to the ship. But yeah, I, I don't think uh, Captain Dante or uh, Captain uh, the, or Grandmother Black, I don't think he has a lot of interaction with them. I think he's typically in the cabin messing with like hair, anyone that comes up, he, he, like tries to help out. But um, I don't think anyone's really noticed. The, the two captains, I don't think have noticed him pushing off food to other people and everything. Do we feel like Captain Dante is a, what kind of captain is she? I feel like she's kind of hands off from everything. Like that's kind of the vibe I've been getting that she's put, like she's allowing other people to take, not, not maybe not take charge, but she's leaving a lot of responsibilities up to like crew members. I think it would be interesting, and I don't know, I wonder how much of that is her natural leadership style versus how much of that is coming from, like, insecurity around her memory loss. Would Olive have more insight to that? Does Olive remember what Captain Dante was like beforehand, or is it blank slate? I think, I think Olive remembers most everything up until... She doesn't. Okay. So I think she remembers the beginning even of their last voyage, but at a certain point, a little, like, soon after they left port is when her memory stops. Who's, who's next in the order? I, I believe remember. you are, Tori. Oh, me? That's yeah. great, because I want to do a scene with Red. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Gavin, as long as you're okay with that. Yeah. Um, I think I will do the scene in uh, your cabin. The prompt is your personal space. Mm-hmm. And I think that, so I think what we see is we're in the place that Olive has been sleeping, which I think is somewhat more private than like, you know, the general berth where everyone sleeps in hammocks, only because she is one of two people who was on the storm wing. But I also don't think she's, it's totally private. Like, I think she still shares it with other, I don't know, off, it's not officers, but other like more experienced sailors, I guess. So all of it is to say she has like, a desk that's hers, but not much else. Especially since when the storm wing was lost, she lost all of her personal possessions. So I think what we see is her sitting at her desk in front of a mirror that's just sort of haphazardly propped up against the, the inside of the ship. Um, and I think Red has convinced her that she needs a haircut. <laughs> I like that. Um, so I think what's happening is that Red is giving her a haircut in her okay. cabin. But I think, and I don't know, Gavin, if we want to workshop this, like, she, I think it took a lot of cajoling because her attitude for her whole life has been like, it's hair, it grows. Sometimes I cut it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just a mess to deal with. Yeah, I think, I think the big thing that Red was pushing for was just like, oh, like, the, the, the shape's fine, like, just a little bit of snip, maybe like a clean here and there, and I'll have you fixed up in no time. Okay, so then I think, okay, so then I think, I think she's sitting, yeah, I think she's sitting at her desk, looking at herself in the mirror, with like a very, a a deep frown on her face, and like she's (laughs) eyeing red with a lot of suspicion, Um, and I think she just says like, Zephyr says he trusts you. Zephyr's great, you can trust me, I'm very trustworthy. That's exactly what a person who isn't trustworthy would say to me. True, but you can trust me when I say I'm trustworthy. 
Well, okay. All right. You've, you've, you've soothed my mind. I, <laughs> I trust you now. What is, it is, said, what is it that you said you wanted to do with my hair? Like this, this haircut that you needed just, for me? There's just some un, uneven parts of it. I'm just going to even everything out. I'll have everything nice and symmetric. And then when I'm finished with it, if you want anything else done, I, I can see what I can do. How, how does that sound? Are you saying that my hair isn't symmetrical right now? Not at all. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> that was a test. You passed. <laughs> Have you been cutting your own hair? Is that the, uh, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from, from what I've seen. When I, so, Red, here's the thing. Here, here's, here's, here's what I do with my hair. It grows. At some point, it gets annoying. Right. And then I take the nearest pair of scissors and I just start cutting. Okay. Because the way so, I figure, I just pull my hair back anyway sometimes. Keep it out of my face. If you could cut it so that it's out of my face, that'd be great. Say no more. And then uh, I think Red like, gets his scissors and he just starts, starts chopping. And I think at this point, Olive is literally not looking at herself anymore. I think she's trying to like, she keeps trying to turn her head to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Red very gently, like anytime. Olive turns her head. I think he like takes the back and just like very gently like twists her head forward. And it's just like, just <laughs> when you, I'll tell you when you need to move. How's okay? Okay. I think she, she like almost doesn't even notice. I think she's, I think what she, I think one of the ulterior motives that she has for asking, like finally agreeing to get this haircut is that she trusts Zephyr and Zephyr says he trusts you, but she doesn't know why. So I think she wants to use this as an opportunity to like understand why it was that Zephyr recruited you. So I think that she's, I think she asked the standard, like, where are you from? How long have you been doing this? Small talk. Yeah. And I think uh, Red like really reciprocates with that because standard barber haircut mm -hmm. thing, like that's what you do. You chit chat. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Red's pretty charismatic. Mm. So I, th I think the, the back and forth conversation while the haircut's happening, I think that also makes Red feel a little bit more comfortable on the ship as well. Yeah. Just because what else is he there for? Yeah. So, so um, then I think at some point she asks like, so how's the, how's the trip been for you so far? <laughs> well, rough. Oh? Uh, I'm, I'm out of place. Admittedly, I'm I'm very out of place. I don't know how you handle the the sea so well. I've been sailing since I was like twelve. Is, is you're this, used to it. Is it? Is, are, are you are you getting seasick? Is that what you mean? Because we got we got stuff for that. Like you just you just drink a shit ton of alcohol. That's <laughs> the stuff that we have for that. No, I just I'm, I'm by trade. I'm a barber. I haven't been able to do much. It seems out of place. I I don't really know how to describe it other than that. It, it is it is what it is. I'll I'll find a purpose around here, somewhere. I mean, you've been helping out with you've been helping out loads. You helped me pull that thing down. Yes, just yesterday. Yeah. You remember but, the thing that we pulled? Yeah. It was like the, up and then we pulled it down. Yeah, we had to tie the knots and. Yep, the knots and the hoist yep. sails. Uh huh. <laughs> you were you were really you've been helpful with all that stuff. I don't know what you. I it's more of like a fish out of water kind of deal. I, I feel like I'm not doing my thing. 
I, I, I just, What's this your isn't th- cutting hair. You're doing it right now. You're doing it right now. Yeah, but not many people appreciate a barber on a ship. <laughs> Has anyone said anything to you? Because I'll talk to him. Oh, I'll no. talk to him, Red. That's, that's the issue. No one's said anything. <laughs> like they're ignoring you? Uh, I'll talk to him, Red. I'll talk to him. No, oh, no, Olive, I appreciate it very much, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm making my way. I'm finding my path here. All right. And I, I do appreciate it. I think she reaches up and, like, totally not thinking, pats his hand that's holding the scissors. <laughs> He's cutting her hair. <laughs> As, like, a there, there type yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> easy. I, I don't want to have to cut more than I have to. It's just hair. Cut, cut, in, cut away. <laughs> And he continues. And I, think, I, think, I think silently, though. Like, I think he kind of stops the chit-chat. I think Olive probably does, too. I think that's where she wants to leave it. I think she wanted... This was a good opportunity for her to like start vetting him, and I think she, she likes him and trusts him, and she'll talk to, she'll talk to anyone who gives him shit. <laughs> she'll talk to him. So I am going to go to the bow, which is superstition. The ship hasn't moved in two weeks uh, and people are starting to starve or people are going hungry. There's been no wind and we are dead in the water. And when Zephyr came on, I realized that I had grandmother black say that rats were bad luck on a ship. So I think Zephyr is at the bow of the ship, looking out over the sea at just this entirely, like this completely still sea, when some of Grand of Grandmother Black's crew, uh, led maybe by Scully, maybe I'm actually trying to I'm trying to decide if Grandmother Black is actually part of it as well. I'm very down to reprise Scully. Grandmother Black can also. It's totally up to you. It's your. <laughs> uh, I don't want to implicate Grandmother Black yet. Uh, but I think uh, I think Scully and some other crew members have ga- have have found Zephyr and come up to Zephyr and blame Zephyr for the lack of wind. Yeah, you know what? I think Grandmother Black is is part of it. I think Grandmother Black is. I think maybe Captain Dante is even arguing with Grandmother Black. Like I think Grandmother Black went to Dante and was like. We're uh we're going to throw your rat overboard, and Dante was like no no no, and this mob went and has now like found Zephyr with rope and are preparing to toss Zephyr overboard, and I think Z- I am wondering who comes to Zephyr's defense. Um, I think I think Grandmother Black is like at the bow with Zephyr kind of cornered. And this, this, her sailors, and uh, I think Dante's like yelling at Grandmother Black, um, and Dante's like, "Listen, it's it's nothing personal, but rats are bad luck, and you're the biggest rat I've ever goddamn seen on a ship. So uh, if there's anything to blame for two weeks of windless seas, I'm sorry." And Zephyr's like, "No, no, no, I'm, I'm." I'm fine. Every, I'm, I'm okay. I'll just go back to my cabin and everything will be fine. Um, and I think this, this uh, mob is closing in on Zephyr. And I don't really know what happens next. I mean, I definitely think that like someone who with an academic background, even in a magical society, thinks that's bad shit. 
like that is so um, beneath what we're all capable of and also like just not based in a scientific magical fact. And um, I, I think that pockets would like witness what's happening, be like, oh, hell no. Like for many reasons. One, this is like intellectually very stupid. Two, that's my friend. So um, would maybe would maybe jump in between. I'm guessing like, are you tied up? Uh, not yet. I think they okay. want to tie Zephyr up. Okay, I think I'll, I'll like to stand in between you and the the crew members and just say like, this is unfounded. Do you need me to explain how um, how wind works, how nature works? I would be happy to do that because this, this is not how you generate wind, and he is not bad luck. I think Zephyr is like like ducking behind <laughs> pockets. And it's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's scientifically unfounded. <laughs> yeah, scientifically unfounded. Also, I don't know where you people come from, but in my culture, it's bad luck to kill somebody. I think Grandmother Black is like, I'm not going to let some landlubber college professor tell us how we conduct our business on my ship. I've, uh, I've entertained... You and the rest of this crew well enough. I'm I'm done. Uh, first of all, that's disgrace, college professor. Second <laughs> of all, you don't know my life. You don't know where I've been. I think you're making a lot of assumptions about what I do and do not know. I understand that this is a very tense situation, but I can guarantee you that throwing him overboard is not going to solve your problems. It might actually make life worth, worse for you because you still have to contend with me and Olive and Captain Dante. We respect your hospitality, but we're not going to respect you murdering uh, our crewmate. And I think Olive, if I can in, in, interrupt, yeah. I think Olive is pushing through the, the mob and also shouts, and Red! Oh shit, and Red. <laughs> Red, you're so quiet. <laughs> and I think, I think Olive is, is making her way and like elbow, throwing elbows. Because she and Zephyr go way back. Like, I think, yeah. like, she and Zephyr have known each other for a little bit. And I think she stands next to Pockets. And I think also, like, in her own way, wants to help. So I think she, she says, uh, she's looking right at Grandmother Black. I think she says, listen, I don't know what Pockets is talking about. I don't know where wind comes from. <laughs> I don't think you do either. But Grandmother Mrs. Captain Black, this is something I can tell you. Do you see this? And she, like, tears open part of her shirt to reveal the very gaudy albatross necklace that she's been wearing this whole time under layers and layers of clothes because she doesn't want to get shit for it. And she says, Captain Black, I bought this from a man in the marketplace, and he said it would protect me. So this is me telling you. I've heard, I've heard that rat superstition. One, I don't think it applies to Zephyr because Zephyr's great. But more importantly, this necklace will protect us from any of that bad juju. I basically signed my life away to get it, so it, 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 it works. I know this works. This superstition is a more powerful one than, than that one. I also wonder if the albatross is like a, if it holds like a certain... Shit, what's the name of that poem? That, that's from a famous poem where uh, a sailor kills an albatross and, it, and the rest of the crew forces him to wear it around his neck and oh. it, it stops the wind. He kills an albatross and it stops the wind. Um, the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Yeah, doy, I should have known that. I'm very angry that I didn't remember. I googled the name it. Of... I googled yeah. it, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to think if she's 
if Grandmother Black like accepts that or if she's going to turn her ire on you now. <laughs> well, it's a good thing. It's a good omen. The man uh, said it was a good omen. He did say it was a good omen. He did say that. Uh, yeah, I actually think Grandmother Black is a, uh, you have an albatross around your neck. I, yes, I, Captain. She turns to Dante, and she kind of, like, narrows her eyes, and I think she goes, three days. Three days. And I don't care if you're my granddaughter, if the wind don't pick up, your whole crew. And she turns and she walks out. And I think Zephyr, like, looks to Pockets and Olive, and is like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And kind of, like, scampers in front of you, goes, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I, that, that would have been bad. Uh, thanks. Thanks for sticking up for me. I appreciate it. Of course. What, no, no way they were, we were going to let him kill you. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it'll be fine. The, the wind's going to pick up in three days, right? The wind's going to pick up, right? Hey, hey, Pockets, what is, yeah. what is wind? You know, what is, okay. what even is wind anyway? I was going to say, if you guys are all um, amenable to this, if you wanted to sort of cap that scene, that would be a good cut to um, Captain's Quarters, where the law of the sea is I could teach you about wind. <laughs> like, the literal, like, laws of nature. Yeah, I'm and down. Then, no, I was just going to say, and then we could talk about um, what the game plan is for the next three days, because <laughs> as you will learn, we cannot control wind. <laughs> yeah, I'm very down to cut my scene there. And then, uh, yeah, if you want you to go to the Captain's Quarters, yeah, I think like let's say for for whatever reason the chaos of the day it's been it's been cleared out um, for a bit, and I, I I want to say that like clearly after that one you asked what wind is and I'm going to give a lecture so I think that maybe like all of us are are in this space so we get um, a brief intro to sort of like natural environments and how they work and where wind comes from to the knowledge of this uh, scientific magical society that we've now created a hybrid of so so maybe it's it's a mix of like certain regions are a mystery but we have enough to know that like wind travels from certain areas to our area and we can like read the patterns by the way that certain animals engage with it or something some kind of mix of like scientific observation combined with like magical forces at, at work behind the wind itself. The the point being are you raising your hand, Zach? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Zephyr. Oh exactly. Yes. Zephyr, Zephyr's <laughs> raising his hand. Yes, goes, yes, yes, yeah. Uh sometimes when it's gonna storm, um I can feel it in my nose. His nose twitches. Yeah. Um that's a recorded phenomenon. So you are correct, and that would be that's a useful thing. So keep an keep an eye on your nose. <laughs> Zephyr, Zephyr turns off phenomenon. <laughs> recorded, recorded phenomenon. Recorded phenomenon. It's your new nickname. Uh, yeah. So so this is as far as this is what the latest science tells us. But I think that the key takeaway from all of this, and she sort of looks gravely at, at the crew, is um, we cannot control the wind. Oh so, fuck. Yeah, I know. I know. I sort of buried the lead a little bit, but it was really important to me that you understood where it came from. But we need a game plan. What are we going to do three days from now? Is Red in this meeting? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I was just wondering if Red was there. <laughs> Red, Red's, Red's big. Oh, Red can barricade. We can hide in 
the in our cabin and Red can push the door shut. Just one concern with that. There's a lot of them and one of me. Yeah, what you're describing is me. Okay. No, it's it's hiding. It's hiding. That's not mutiny. I I feel like there's only so many places to hide on a ship. Yeah. Also, um, one of the three things I know about Red is that he's a nice guy. So we just we just don't know (laughs) how that would play out. One of the crewmates could have kids. I don't know. I don't want to risk it. I think Olive raises her hand. Yes, Olive. Thank you for calling on me. Um, no problem. Is there a way to tell when the wind will come back? Like something, something with Zephyr's nose. Yeah, like, like hmm. Zephyr, how's your nose? It feels normal. Damn it. Well, we don't want a storm. We don't want a storm. We just want wind. We yeah. just want wind. I can't. I can't. I'm not don't a get wind like a, phenomenon. You don't get like a tingle in your, I don't know, tail or something? No. No, damn it. Sometimes it gets itchy when it's really dry. Itchy's probably not what we want here. We want the opposite of that. No, well, right? it's really, dry means yeah. Wind, maybe? Well, I mean, we're surrounded by ocean, so true. All right, let's very... put a pin in that one <laughs> for now. <laughs> well, wait, hold okay. on. We said hide. What if I just hide? What if I just hide somewhere? I can just hide somewhere. And, and then what happens if they find you? Oh, 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 oh! You hide, uh-huh. and we tell them that we threw you overboard. <laughs> oh, okay. Will they believe that? Will they care as long as they don't see you? No. Is that the right answer? <laughs> I think I think out of sight, out of mind for these guys. But I I think we would maybe have a hard time convincing them that we suddenly turned on our friend after being very passionate about him not drowning. Hey, Red, can you say that you guys got in a fight? I mm. I, I was just thinking that I wasn't with. You, you all, mm. uh, during the squabble, I could say that I took matters into my own hands. For the good of the, for the, good of the ship. For the yeah. good of the ship. All right, Zephyr, your chat. I think you, you have three days to find somewhere go- really fucking good to hide. Okay. <laughs> because if, they, if we say this and then they find you, hmm. they're going to kill all of us. <laughs> like, just for good measure. They're just going to kill us all. Oh, uh, okay. Let's have a plan B, maybe. Let's, uh, let's go with yeah. plan A, right? Okay. And then worst case scenario, if they find Zephyr um, or something else that we can't predict happens, maybe we should start. Is there like um, like a, what's a lifeboat attached to the ship? Yeah, there's a, um, there's a canoe. Oh, they have like, for, they have, there's like, yeah, there's like a smaller boat for getting up to shore. Like a rowboat? I just, rowboat. yeah, like a rowboat type thing. I just, I think Olive is like shaking her head. I think she, like that. It's the open ocean. That's, that's, <laughs> that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty bad, guys. That'd be pretty bad. Um, I know wind. I don't know water. Well, no, it, it'll be on. So, like, I could hide in the in the boat while it's still attached to the side of the ship, and nobody. Well, that's good. Nobody that's will, good. Nobody they don't use. Look. We don't really use those until we see land. Yeah. So. That's good. Yeah, I'll hide there. All right. Okay. Good. And you won't be caught. I won't be caught. Then, then we will all die. Because then we would all die. Yeah. Another law of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Pockets is really smart. <laughs> Please tell. And then uh, she lists like 10 different universities. That's because I, they don't believe I, you. I can't believe you're disgraced, Pockets. I, 
I know, right? You're like, you're, you. you're like the smartest person I've ever met. You are definitely the smartest person on the ship. Mm, not saying much, but I'll take it. Thank you. Uh, so then we go back to Gavin. Gavin, you can do another scene at this location, or uh, you can move us back to the sea wing, uh, at which point um, we will do... So if, if you move us back to the sea wing, you can kind of frame the hospitality of Grandmother Black again, and then do... Or actually, I think you'll do the chorus. Um, so you'll move us back to the, the sea wing, uh, choose one from the chorus for the call, and then choose someone to give the response if you choose to go back to the sea wing. I think going back to the sea wing is a is what I'm gonna do. Okay. So I'm I'm moving the captain back to the sea wing. Okay. So uh, with the call, I choose one of the three, right? Mm-hmm. So I think uh, what comes aboard, I think, is going to be an albatross. Ooh, interesting. Ooh. And now I pick a response. Uh, so, so you can give us that, you can give us like whatever amount of scene that you want, and then you choose someone else who will then, that person will roll and give us the scene based on the response. So okay. you're giving a scene based on the, you get, you give a short scene based on the call that you chose. Okay. And then you choose someone to give a short scene based on the response. Okay. So I think, yeah, really simple. The, an albatross, it, I think it like from behind, of, from behind the ship, it just swoops in and perches itself right on the crow's nest and just stays there for a little while. And I think Olive sees this and I think, I think that's, where I leave it off, right? Sure, if you want. Yeah. Are we still... Oh, okay. I forget. <laughs> I saw that one and immediately my heart sank and then I remembered, oh, wait, actually... No, like- yeah, it's not like a horrible result. Yeah. <laughs> I think Olive... I think it's probably evening. Um, I think it's the evening of the third day that mm. they had. Tomorrow is the fourth day and the wind hasn't picked up yet. Um, and I think it's evening, and she's sort of, like, pacing on the deck, mostly because she's nervous. Again, hoping that if she stays outside long enough, she'll just feel some wind coming. And I think the moon is out. There aren't many clouds. So you can Everyone can see the stars really, really well, and they're reflected um, in the water of the ocean. And she's pacing, almost muttering to herself. And then all of a sudden, I think she hears like a great big flapping sound coming from the crow's nest, which is pretty high above her. But I also think she noticed, like, I think there's a, the crow's nest is casting its own unique shadow onto the deck of the ship. And as soon as the albatross lands, the, sh- the shadow changes shape because of the bird um, and because of how big it is. So I think that's what makes her look up. And I think she recognizes it immediately, even from the weird below angle. Um, and I think that her hand immediately goes to the necklace because she's very shook. They're, they're still pretty far out from land. So it's surprising to see a bird at all, especially an albatross now given sort of the, the very high stakes of where they are right now. I rolled a one, which the response is what is remembered. I'm trying to think of how to play that out. I think that she's standing there on the deck 
very much with like, you know, the night crew is pretty quiet. There aren't nearly as many people running around the ship as, as, the, as there are during the day. So she's pretty alone. She's staring up at this big albatross in the crow's nest. And um, also the lookout is freaking out. The lookout up there in the crow's nest is like freaking out because there's this big fucking bird. And I think that in terms of what is remembered, ooh, I think she suddenly has a very large sense of deja vu. I think she's standing there on the deck looking up at the bird, feeling like she's been here before. Like in this exact location, on a very similar ship to this one, with an albatross in the crow's nest. That feels eerily familiar to her. So I don't think she's gotten her full memory back, but something about this situation rings not just similar, but identical to a distant memory that she can't quite grasp, but she knows like in her bones that she's been here before. As shook as she was before, I think she's even more shaken now. I think she, she uh, stands there for a long while until the albatross, I think, eventually shakes itself and starts to fly away. But I think she stays standing there on the deck for a very long time. Hello, and thank you for joining us on another special anti-hiatus episode of Heart Points. I am your friend and dad, Zach. This week, we return once again to the sightless sea in Fall of Magic, Song of the Stormwind. I want to thank again our good friends Gavin, Tori, and Maya for this delightful game of storytelling and exploration. We played the special scenario Song of the Stormwind from the zine supplement to Fall of Magic titled Songs of the Axe and Fiddle. Fall of Magic was designed by Ross Kalman and can be found at heartofthedeernicorn.com. This episode was sponsored by Diana, who is not a patron, but she deserves love just the same. If you would like to support Heartpoints, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash heartpointspod. We've been able to do weekly anti-hiatus episodes because of the support of everyone who listens, shares our work, and donates. Thank you. Don't forget that you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HeartPointsPod. Please reach out to us and let us know what you think of our special anti-hiatus episodes. Don't forget that we will be back next Monday with a brand new one. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope that as you return to the real world that you have a very nice day. But like, a very, very nice one. (laughs) 